Pastor Jeff has been working through the, the book of James. Uh, we're going to take a, a little break from that this week, and we'll be uh, back in James next week. But today, we're going to be looking at a passage from Ephesians chapter 5, and in particular, verses 8 through 16. Let's go ahead and let's uh, read these verses, and then we'll move on from there. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. And Lord, I would ask that you would help me as I talk about your word to speak truth. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to study this. And Lord, I ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would enlighten the hearts and minds of, of all of us here. Lord, help us to see how we can take this scripture and put it to work in our lives. Help us to realize the incredible change that you make in us at the point of salvation and the, the effect that it's supposed to have on us as we continue on in our life. Lord, we're very thankful for the freedom that we have to, to look at your word. We're thankful for the encouragement that we can give each other. I pray that uh, what we talk about here this morning would, would not just be for this morning, but that you would remind us throughout this week of how we ought to live as light in this world. And Lord, we realize that there is real darkness. And Lord, we realize that our fight in this life is, is sometimes... Um, disguised as, as circumstances or um, physical things. But Lord, we recognize that we wrestle against powers and against things that are unseen in the spiritual realm. And Lord, we pray that you would give us victory in that. And Lord, we know that ultimately you win that battle. You have won that battle through Christ on the cross. And so, Lord, we are thankful for that. We pray that we would live in light of the cross. Lord, be with us now. We ask this in your name. Amen. So this portion of Scripture has to do with a dichotomy that the Bible talks about quite a bit. Light and darkness. And... As you read through the Bible, you'll, you'll see more and more. There, there are many things that are compared and contrasted 
in the word. And this theme or this metaphor of light and darkness is, is throughout the word. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And there are various uh, meanings. But as we look at this, I, I hope that it's, it's clear what Paul is trying to, uh, trying to tell the Ephesians here in particular in this, this passage. But, you know, just to kind of start things out, uh, light is an interesting thing. Um, I love my dad. Where are you, dad? You're out there somewhere. But when I was a kid, oh, man, I hated this so much. I would be sleeping, and, uh, you know, it would get time for me to wake up, and my alarm would go off, and I would hit the snooze, or I would turn it off, and I would keep on sleeping. And then my dad, being a loving father, knowing that I needed to be somewhere, would come in, and he would turn on the lights. And I hated it, because it was like, all of a sudden, you're there, and uh, you're so warm and nice and cuddly, and then, all, and then there's light, and you're like, ugh. And it was, it just, like, was a shock to the system, and, and I couldn't fall back to sleep, because the light was on. And so I would get up. Light has the ability to, to make us aware of our surroundings. It has the ability to kind of shock us and help us realize what's going on. As I get older, I know I don't look old, but <laughs> as I get older, I find like I need light to see things. Have, have you experienced this? <laughs> yeah. So... I was working not too long ago on a little model with my son. It was a model airplane, and we're trying to do some things. And I'm sitting there looking at it and squinting, and I'm just like, I need light. <laughs> so I went and I grabbed some lamps, and I moved all the lights like right there. So it's just like shining brightly on this. And I don't know what he was thinking, but in my head, I'm thinking, I didn't, have to, I didn't used to have to do this, <laughs> but now I do. And I need that light. I need it there to see what's going on so I can accurately put the pieces where they need to go. And light is very helpful in that way. And I find more and more that if there isn't light, I fumble around and I can't see properly to know what to do. Darkness is the contrast of light, right? If you don't have light, it's dark. Darkness is interesting because it is, uh, the, the truest definition of it is the absence of light. That's what darkness is. And this passage here is very interesting because it compares us to light and darkness. If you look at the first verse that we're going to be studying here, uh, verse 8, it says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. What Paul is trying to help these Ephesian Christians see is that there has been an amazing transformation that has taken place in their lives. 
Now, throughout this book, uh, Paul gives many helpful reminders to the Ephesians. He talks about what it means to be saved. He talks about the gospel in different ways. And really, when we get to this point in the book, he's talking to people who have put their faith and trust in God. They are Christians. They are believers. And they have been transformed by the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. All of grace. It's not anything that they did by works. He makes that clear in Ephesians chapter 2. But he says, hey, God has done something incredible for you. And when you become a believer, there's an amazing thing, an amazing transformation that happens. You go from darkness to light. Two things that are completely opposite of each other. And it's interesting, too, if you go back to think about darkness as being the absence of light, what he is saying is that without Christ, without God, you have nothing. You have no light. You have no hope. You have no reason. You have nothing. You are nothing. But when the light gets turned on, all of a sudden, you are something. There is light there. And if you, you know, trace this, this idea of light and darkness, like I said, you see it all over in the scripture. Uh, if you think back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We're pretty familiar, I think, with these uh, verses, but they're, they're trying to convey something to us that is utterly important. You, if you have placed your faith in Christ, are a light. And that's really cool, but then Jesus moves on in this verse and in this passage. Paul moves on to say, as a light, there are certain things that are proper and improper for a light to do. In this verse here in Matthew, as Jesus is talking and saying, you are the light of the world... Well, what do you do if you are a light? Or what do you do with light? If you are taking a light into a dark room for the purpose of seeing, do you then put it under a basket or under a bowl? No. That would be silly. That would be, that would be dumb because then you couldn't see again. No, you, you put it on a stand and you let the light shine into every crevice, every nook and cranny in that room. And it, it's helpful. It exposes things. It helps you to see things for what they truly are. Instead of stubbing your toe on the corner of the bed, now you can see where the bed is and you don't stub your toe. It's good to be in the light. And that's a, a good metaphor, but... It's not just for your own help, it's for the help of others. 
verse 16 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. So not only is this light have an effect on you and your own life, but it should be a beacon to others. You should be able to help others see things clearly also as a light. This idea of, of light and dark has a couple of, of different nuances to it. Light can be seen uh, as moral goodness or moral deficiency. Light can also be seen or compared to, to wisdom and foolishness. In the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs uh, talks a lot about wisdom. And someone who is wise is, is compared to uh, someone who sees things, someone who is in the light. And if you're in the dark and if things are hidden from you, you're a fool. So there's a, an intellectual aspect to light and dark. There's a, a moral aspect to it. If you are doing good and right and holy things, you are a light. And if you're doing evil, corrupt, and nasty things, you're dark. And Paul here in verse 8 is, is telling the Corinthians, or not the Corinthians, is telling the Ephesians, look, there's something different about you if you've placed your faith in Christ. And the difference is, You've gone from being dark to being light. And then he ends that verse with a simple statement that's hard. He says, walk as children of light. So what's the point of being light? You know, if you have put your faith in Christ and you are a Christian and, and you understand Christ's work on the cross, is that just... Beneficial for yourself? Absolutely. But is that the only point? No. You need to not only be enlightened in yourself, but then you need to be a light to the world. And you need to walk as children of light. Meaning you need to make sure that the light that is in you uh, penetrates and shines on every aspect of your life. When Paul talks about your walk, he's saying every little detail of your life. As you walk through life, let your light shine. Because you are light. If you weren't, then you would have no reason to even think about this light. But you are light, so now walk as children of light. 1 Corinthians 5, 9-10 says this, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Did you catch what he said there? I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, but not meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or the idolaters. One way that we can uh, improperly walk as light in the world is to see it as our job to 
cut ourselves off from everything that is dark. Now, I want to be careful how I say that because we should not walk in sinful acts and sinful deeds and those things. But the reality is, if you're sitting here as a Christian, you are a light and there's a lot of darkness out there. It's not saying we come together as the light and huddle together and stay here and never interact with the darkness around us. There are people out there who are darkened in their hearts and their minds towards God and towards Christ, and they need to see the light. And that's what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians is one of the uh, prime ways that we can walk as children of light is to take that light of the gospel of Christ to those who are in darkness. And he says, that's a great thing. Be all about that. Because, you know, reality check, he says, if you were to try and cut yourself off from contact with any of the sexual immoral people in the world or the greedy people in the world or the swindlers or the idolaters in the world, you'd have to be out of this world. Like, that's the only possibility. There are people around you who are in these things who are not saved, and they need you to be a light, and you can't separate yourself from them. You need to shine your light so that they see. So there is, you know, this, this prime uh, directive, if you will, from God to walk as children of light, and we have to do this in the culture in the place where God has put us, whether, you know, that's at work, whether it's with our family, whoever it is, we need to be a light to the world in the sense that we shine the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need it. Now, if we continue on in these verses here, he says, uh, End of verse 8, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So in one sense, we walk as children of light by, by shining the light of the gospel on others around us. But in another way, we walk as children of light by just being different than people around us. And verse 9 there is a, a parenthesis, and Paul is explaining a little bit what he means when he says, walk as children of light. And what he means is that light produces certain things. If you look at verse 9, it says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So how do you know if you're walking in the light? Well, there should be good and right and true things in your life. When he uses those, those words, good and right and true, uh, he is distinguishing the walk of a Christian from the walk of someone who is in darkness. Let's look at that first word there, good. That word has to do with, uh, with things that are good. <laughs> what do you know? And we just heard a, a definition of, of goodness. What? You're incorruptible. There you go. Incorruptible. Holy. Uh, things that, that are right 
things that are good. That is one thing that should distinguish our walk from other people, from darkness that is in the world. We are to be distinct from the world in that we take joy in things that are good. We produce things that are good, that are holy, that are right. And this may seem like it's kind of a, well, obvious, but how often are we tempted to, to do things that are not good or, or not right or unwholesome, would not be building other people up? It's a common daily thing that we fight against. And Paul is trying to encourage us as believers, look, you need to walk as light. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways that you can do this is to do good towards those around you. MacArthur gives a, a definition of goodness, and he, um, he says that goodness finds its fullest and highest expression in that which is willingly and sacrificially done for others. Those things that we willingly, sacrificially do for others, that's the good that he's talking about. In 1 Thessalonians 5.15 it says, always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Paul there is telling the Thessalonians, he's kind of wrapping up his letter to them and giving them all sorts of encouragement. And he's telling them basically, hey, as the light, here's something that you can do to distinguish yourself and to please God, make sure Always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Now, that goes totally against the, the ethos of the world that says, do good for me, right? Do, look out for yourself. Do any, everything that you can to, to get yourself ahead, to promote yourself. If you want to treat somebody well, treat yourself, Right? That's kind of the way that the world goes, but Paul and God says, no, treat others good. That's how you ought to walk as children of light. The next word that he uses there, uh, the fruit of the light in all that is good and right and true. Right has, has to do with our righteousness before God. The word good is primarily uh, a word that references our relationship between one another. The, good, the word right is a word that primarily emphasizes the relationship between us and God. We ought to do what is right in God's eyes. And here's something that is an, an, an amazing truth about the Christian life. Romans 1 15 through 17 says, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. How do we come upon this righteous relationship with God? How do we know what is right? Well, it comes through Christ. 
and it's part of the gospel. And the amazing thing is, one of the reasons we spend so much time talking about Jesus living a holy, righteous life is because through the gospel, his righteousness is imparted, imputed to us so that we can enjoy a relationship with God standing there in Christ's righteousness. And without that, we would be enemies of God. We would be totally separated. We would be under his wrath. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ's righteousness is available for us, for you who believe. Romans 4, 5 says, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So one of the the key distinctives of walking as a child of light is that you're good to those around you and you are in right relationship with God. Now, even though we have Christ's righteousness, we still sin, correct? So what would be the proper response to sin in your life? Confess, repent, turn from it, Turn from your sin to what is righteous and restore that rightness between you and God. Not only are are we talking about good and true things or right things, but we're also talking about true things. And the word there, true, just means honest things, reliable things, things that are in accord with the word of God and with his character. So there's an aspect of my relationship to other people, there's an aspect of my relationship to God, and there's an aspect of my relationship to the word of God, which is truth. And Paul is saying that to walk as children of light involves all three of those things. It involves you and others, it involves you and God, and it involves your relationship to the word. And he's encouraging you, hey, this is truth, go for it. Live according to the word. Continuing on, verse 10, he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And this is kind of ironic because he says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. But in some ways, we know what is pleasing to the Lord, don't we? I mean, that is what the truth of God's word does. It tells us, it reveals to us, this is God's word. This is what pleases him. This is what is right. So then why would we need to discern if we have it? Well, because the tricky thing about life is taking the Bible and then applying it to the certain circumstance that you're in. So you know that you should be kind, but then you're dealing with a coworker who just rubs you the wrong way. They're annoying. So what do you do? Well, you try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You know it's right to be kind. You know it's right to be gentle. You know it's right to shine the light of the gospel. So now, how do you do that in that situation? That's why you need to be discerning. You need to be able to 
to take the truth of God's word and apply it to the situation where you are. And why do you need to do that? Because you're light. And you need to act like it. If you were darkness, eh, do whatever you want. But you're not. You're light. So discern what pleases God. Moving on to verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This is another way that, that we act as light in this world is that we, we see the works of darkness and we don't take part of, in them. And in fact, we expose them for what they are. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. There he's encouraging the Corinthians to, to think about the messages that they hear from the world. There are all kinds of arguments and opinions that are raised against the knowledge of God, against what the Bible says. And Paul says, hey, you need to take those things captive. And turn them so that you obey Christ and not go after the world. And when he says there, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, he's saying the same thing. There are so many messages that come at us from so many directions, and we need to expose them to the light and see, does this line up? with what God's word says. Is this true? Because the unfortunate thing is the, the messages, the ways of the darkness seem good, but ultimately they're unfruitful. It seems good to look out for number one, but ultimately you end up more selfish. You end up cutting ties with people around you, you end up doing all sorts of things that end up hurting you. And ultimately, there is no salvation in and of yourself. So that message from the world is unfruitful, and we need to expose that. We need to call it what it is. It's just sinful man doing what sinful man wants to do, trying to call it good, but it's really not. And we need to stay away from those types of messages. We need to counter that with the truth of God's word. Expose those things. You know, one of the things that needs to be exposed more is just, where did all of this come from? You know, if you ask somebody out in the world, what do you hear? Well, there's a big bang millions, billions of years ago and all this stuff. And where does that lead? I'll, I don't have time to, you know, go real deep into this, but if we're just products of little things bouncing around and that's all there is, then what hope is there? I, I mean, if there's no reason and no... No mind behind it. It's just random chance, random luck. Then this world is really kind of lame because nothing that we do matters. 
And, and that is like the ultimate unfruitfulness. If nothing matters, you have no fruit. You have nothing. Even if you get wealthy in this life and you have fame and fortune, it, it's gone in an instant and it's meaningless. We need to proclaim that there is a God who created everything and he did it for a reason. And we need to be willing to say, look, there isn't, you have to believe in science or God. No, you believe in science and God, they work together because he created it for a reason, for a purpose, and there is no split. And when you look out at creation, you see God's power and you see his deity displayed. And to look at that and say, eh, there's nothing behind it, is the ultimate unfruitful argument. If that's all there is, what are we doing here? But we want to proclaim, we want to take that unfruitful message and expose it as being a lie. It's not true. And to show them the hope and the fruitfulness that can come from believing that there really is a God who's powerful and creative beyond our, our imagination and, and he made this all to work together and it all points to that. You know, and this God became man and dwelt among us. And, and off we go with the gospel, you know, and that's fruitful. That's something that's good and right. Moving on to verse 12, it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, referring back to the darkness and where it leads. The darkness of this world leads to gross immorality and gross sin. And so much so that it's not even really productive for us to, to explore, to go down those roads. You know, there are some who, uh, who think that they have to know everything that the unbelieving world has to offer, and it's not true. You don't have to know. And in fact, sometimes... Just knowing that bad stuff is happening is, is kind of an, enough. <laughs> there, are, there are some things that to dwell on them just leads your own mind and your own heart down roads that it shouldn't go. There's a really interesting uh, passage in Galatians chapter 6. If you can turn over there for just a second. Um, in Galatians 6, 1, Paul says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, the reason I bring that up is because it is, it's good and right for us. If somebody is, is caught in some of this sin and grossness that is out there in the world, we need to know enough to bring them back to repentance, to help them in the situation that they're in. But Galatians says, watch out, lest you be tempted too. And in a strange way, 
even in a circumstance where you're trying to help somebody out of some sort of gross immorality or sin, there's, you have to be careful because it could tempt you also. It could lead you down that very road that you are trying to help this person out of. And there, there are just you know, certain things that, uh, that we shouldn't dwell so much on. We should be aware that there are bad and evil and gross things out there in the world that we need to fight against. But to, to focus all of your time and energy on those things is counterproductive. It would be better to focus your time on things that are good and right and holy and just. Know that those are out there, and if you have to deal with them, deal with them. But, you know, there is some, we don't need to talk about every dirty little detail that people do. Does that make sense? It's unprofitable for us. Verse 13, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And this just kind of wraps things up. He says, look, if, if you are out there actively exposing the darkness, the, uh, the motives behind the things that people do, and if you are actively shining your light on things, you have this cool <laughs> job of exposing things, and once they've become exposed, the hope is that the Holy Spirit then will do work with what has been exposed. And that thing will become light. So if you have a brother or a sister who is caught in a sin and you go and you show them the light of their sin, anything exposed by the light becomes visible. The prayer is that that brother or sister would see Oh, yes, you're right. And then continue, anything that becomes visible is light. So then hopefully, that thing that they now see that is visible to them would then be brought under the authority of Scripture and would be repented of and would become light instead of darkness. So those things that are exposed then have the opportunity to become light, which is a great thing, which is why you don't go, oh, well, yeah, I know they're sinning, but I don't want to rock the boat. Like, that's our job as, as believers is to expose light or expose darkness, excuse me, with the light. And in a... Uh, in a gospel sense, if you bring the truth of sin, Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection, if you bring that to a, somebody who is in darkness, the hope is that that light would shine into their heart and their mind and God would have grace on them and save them and then they too, what? Are light. Light brings light. It exposes things and turns things to light. Continuing on, he says, for anything, or excuse me, therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now this is a, a quote from somewhere. Um, reading the uh, commentaries wasn't so helpful on this in that 
Some people said, well, this is a, a quote from Isaiah chapter 60. Others said, well, this is actually uh, part of a hymn that the early church had. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know exactly where it comes from. It does have some uh, resemblance to Isaiah 60 verse 1, but it's not exact. Uh, but the, the meaning behind it, I think, is pretty clear. He says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And I think he's, he's saying this just as a summation of this process of when somebody is in darkness or is sleeping, what we need to do is call them to arise, to wake up. Now, whether that be a brother or sister who is in some sort of sin or whether that is uh, somebody in need of salvation, the cry is, wake up, see the light, raise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The goal of God is to bring light to this world. He does that through you and me. He does that through his word. And what he's in the business of doing is waking people up. Whether that be in a salvation sense or whether that be in a sanctification sense, we need to wake up. Just like my dad came in, flipped on the light, didn't like it, but it woke me up. Sometimes we need the light flipped on in our life to see and go, oh, yeah. Now, Paul talks about all of this, and as we get into verses 15 and 16, this is one of those uh, portions where it's, it's hard to know where to exactly break a, a passage up sometimes. Um, but I like what verse 15 and 16 say, uh, and I think that they they connect to what we've been talking about as, as far as light and darkness. And Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now what these two verses point us to is the fact that, hey, what, what we've just been talking about is true. So now, what do you do with it? Well, Put it to use in your life. Look carefully how you walk. Examine yourself. See if there is any darkness in you. Is there anything that you need to change? Is there uh, anything that isn't in accord with what the word says? Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be wise about what you are doing. And that, going back to that lightness and darkness, those who are darkened are unwise. Those who are light are wise. So don't act like someone who is in the dark. Act like someone who is in the light. And make the best use of time because the days are evil. You know, what he's pointing out is we have no idea how long we have. And we are in the midst of days that are evil. Amen? <laughs> and the thing is, you know, we see Paul writing this, and we're always tempted to think, 
oh, things are bad now. I mean, they were kind of bad back then, but now they're really bad. Well, there's always been evil. There's always been darkness. There's always been depravity. And I don't say that to make light of it. I just say it because Paul and these Ephesians were in the same battle that you, are, you and I are in. And Paul is saying, look, make the most of every opportunity that you have because the days are evil. There's plenty for us as light to, to fight against. And we have no idea how long we actually have in this fight. So if you know the good thing that you ought to do, don't put it off. That sounds familiar. Like it's from the book of James. Hmm. Lord willing, act as light in your life, in every aspect of your life. Today, and Lord willing, tomorrow, and Lord willing, the day after that, but have that mindset of, hey, I need to make the best use of my time. And, you know, this harkens back to a lot that we could go to, but the parable of the talents. One servant was given 10 minus, if you're looking at the Luke account. Another was given five. Another was given one, and they, they both, oh wait, no, I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> they were both given money, and one servant got 10 minus, one had five, and one just gave back what he had. And the, the master goes to that person who gave back just what he had given him, why didn't you at least put it in the bank? Why didn't you at least get some interest on this? And you know, if we think of our lives as that, like time is short, the days are evil, what are we doing as light? Are, are we actively shining light on those around us or are we doing what Jesus says not to do in Matthew 5? Are we hiding our light? Are we hoping that nobody sees? Hopefully, you know, through looking at this passage, we're, we're encouraged to, to be who we are, really. You are light. Don't hide it. You were made to shine the truth of God's word. You were made to do good things. You were made to have a righteous relationship with God. You were made to show people the truth. So do it. You're light. I'm light, and we ought to live like it and have nothing to do with the darkness that's in this world except for exposing it and comparing it to the truth of who God is, what he's done, and what his word says. So hopefully some encouragement, hopefully some uh, maybe some conviction, and, and the, the implications are, are endless. I mean, in your work, in your family, with your friends, in your spare time, are you light? Or are you, meh, kind of? Well, if you're in Christ, you are light, so act like it. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time in your word. And Lord, would you help us to walk as your children? Help us to walk in goodness towards others, in a right relationship with you, knowing the truth from your word. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who brings us into the state of being light. And Lord, would you help us to encourage one another in our walk? We ask this in your name. Amen.